Okay, I think think you all know the music by now. It means the episode, the podcast is back. Uh, longer intervals than expected this summer. It is because my my time and brain is occupied with a thing I can't tell you about just yet. I am looking forward to hopefully being able to tell you about it. Yes, but uh, yeah, I'm busy. But I would like to do. So I'd like to put out some content. And thank you so much for the kind words about my city episode. Could you tell? from the sound of my voice that I'd kind of struggled a little bit with it because it's just a lot of complicated and slightly contradictory things going on in my brain about the whole Manchester City thing. I do appreciate the nice feedback on that one. Thank you very much. Now, as promised, as well, promised, as warned, uh, I've, uh, I, I want to do a thing where I grade all the teams from last season. The last season is still fresh in my mind. I'm not completely uh, drowned in transfer rumors just yet. I would like to, dr- uh, to grade all the teams. But if I'm going to be so pompous as to sit here and pass judgment over what all these very highly paid executives have done with their football clubs, I think it is only fair that I also receive some flack some criticism, some shame from my own god-awful predictions because they were not good this season. And just so it's just not me sat here self-flagellating uh, in, a, in a room, though I'm sure a lot of people would pay good money to see that, uh, I, I have invited a friend. Uh, I invited my, 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 my initial sort of broadcasting buddy and eventually just outright good friend, I'd say, Peter Welpton. He's a very good American radio presenter, host of the uh, Kick Around, which is a radio show and podcast on, on the ticket, a very excellent uh, Dallas-based sports radio. So all the way from Dallas, Texas, my very good friend, Peter Welpton. I welcome. I've, I, I, I'm, you're the bartender of the resort today. I am so honored to be at the resort. I'm wearing my tank top and my trunks <laughs> and my flip-flops, and I've got a fruity drink, and uh, I'm ready to uh, hang out at the resort and help you uh, discuss how terrible your predictions were this season, Lars. So in my mind, we're like Tom Cruise and the other guy from Cocktail now. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. I <laughs> Who feel, was at the, the other resort. guy? He was really good, but I forget the name of the actor. He was fantastic, yeah. but I forget his name. Anyway, that? that's in my mind's wait, eye. Who, that's... Wait, are, are you are you Tom Cruise or am I Tom Cruise? I mean, just because of age, I think I have to be Tom Cruise. If we're going by age, I have to be Tom Cruise. But if we're getting going by just charm and body shape, probably I shouldn't be Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 And I I'm think bil- I'm closer to Tom Cruise's age than you are, sir. Well, but within the film, like one is the wise oh. old head, one is the un- upstart. Okay. But there is the whole problem. Okay. I, I have also recently broken my leg in a manner not entirely dissimilar to Tom Cruise. <laughs> Both me and Tom Cruise have broken our legs in London. So there's that. Uh, that's where the similarities end. Okay. Uh, Peter, I've invited you on and I've sent you, this is for the listeners, the only prep we've done. I've sent Peter a list, just a list, no comments, no annotations, just what my 20, what my prediction before the start of the season was. It's ugly. <laughs> and, and But I think we should just start. What we're going to do, we're going to look at the table, the way it ended. Let's do that. Let's, let's start Bottom there. to top, right? Yeah, let's start at the team that finished bottom. And you will, and, and I'll actually, you know what? You, you're you're a better presenter than me. You know how to do this. I will just stop talking, hand over the baton to you. We're going from the bottom with Southampton and we're moving up. Okay, so we're going to, oh, now I see. So we're going to start with, oh, I see how you want to do this. You want to go with how the table actually finished. Yeah. And then you want to compare what your prediction for that team was. Got this it. Is how okay, much, that's sorry. just how much prep I've uh, done, dear listener. <laughs> I am a professional radio broadcaster uh, showing my wares off. Uh, all right. So at number 20, obviously, is Southampton. 
Lars, you had predicted the Saints <laughs> ending up at the lucky number 13. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously, the listeners will know. God damn it. The listeners will know that I hedge my bet awfully when I write. Like, I always put in clauses saying, oh, well, this could go really wrong, actually, but I've put them 13th. So I... I've already spoken a lot about the Southampton project. I've, and I've ended up thinking they're basically like, like a ch- miniature Chelsea. They have some new owners who do a little bit of out-of-the-box thinking, who put their who put a lot of their bets on youth, who brought in a lot of players, ended up with a bloated squad, went through three coaches, just couldn't figure it out, and ended up having a disastrous season is kind of the short version of what happened, right? Yes. And you were betting it all on Hassenhoodle. Yeah, I just thought, and it's also, I think I, he's obviously become the villain of the piece, but Rasmus Ankersen, who's the Danish guy, who's kind of the football brains of the new ownership, you know, he's, he's, he's got previous, you know, he used to work at uh, FC Midtjylland in Denmark, who were kind of the early analytics darlings of European football. He then went on to have a huge part in building up Brentford as they went up through the leagues. So he, he is an out of the box thinker. His TED talk is great. His TED talk is so good. I can't believe Todd Bowley hasn't hired him. Uh, but you know, his uh, he, he is one of those guys who has ideas and he has a track record in the sport, which makes me slightly inclined to think, okay, kind of interesting. And I like the look of the young players they brought in the summer. And some of them we've seen have been really great. Like Romeo Lavia looks fantastic. He's going to be sold for a lot of money this summer, I think. <laughs> you know, Bella Kotschap looks like a tremendous prospect in defense. I'm not going to go through them all because we'll be here all night. But like some of the players they've signed are good, which I guess is where the Chelsea comparison comes in, right? Because I think like Chelsea, if you can tidy up this squad and get rid of some of the flab and just make it you know, make it make sense, maybe add a few things here and there. I think you have the beginnings of a really interesting team here. It's just a shame for them that they are going to have to do that in the championship because it was ugly. And I guess the Nathan Jones thing, the less said, the better, right? (laughs) Lars, that's a lot of uh, self-justification for a really crummy prediction. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of this, guys. We got a couple of hours of me sort of like, this is why I won't. Oh, oh, just wait, dear listener, till you hear the teams that he actually had below Southampton. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So so moving on to final grade. This is my my sort of thing. I insist on doing the grade. The the grade for Southampton. So I'm just kind of... I just look for things because it feels kind of cheap to just look at everyone who got relegated and just give them an F uh, and just be well, done with it. Well, hold on a second. I want to make sure everybody's understanding what's happening here. So you're giving them a grade not based on how they were different from your prediction, but actually the result of how their season played out. Yeah, just kind of grading it for okay. how, the season, how the season panned out according to okay. what the expectations were at the beginning of the year, not just my expectations. So I you think- give Southampton at number 20 a grade of... <sighs> I mean... I, I can talk around this all I want, but if you sign as many players Lars, as what they, is the grade, sir? You have Just to give say you, the grade. You, you have to give them an F, haven't you? I really want to say, well, you look at all these young players and maybe it's the start of something and it could turn good. But but you know, you sign all these players, you spend actually quite a lot of money, you go through three managers, uh, one of whom was completely unsuited, unfortunately, probably two of whom were completely unsuited. You have to give them an F. There's no way around it. You can't flip it up into okay. like an E minus or something. It's gotta be an F or Southampton. 
Do you want to give uh, a young lad on the South Coast who's listening to this brokenhearted as a Saints fan an F-plus just to give them a wee bit of hope? You know, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's sneak in an F-plus just because I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> too easily sold on that No, but I just want to. I want to believe. I'm like the man with the tin hat. Like, I look at all these young players, <laughs> many of whom I think are actually really exciting, and I think there is still a world in which Southampton get it together next year, get promoted again, and we're sat here like three, four years from now, and we look back at the season and say, oh, it was a disaster, they got relegated, but they brought together like the beginnings of a really interesting team. That, of course, means they'll have to keep hold of the good ones and not just lose all of them in the summer. But like, let's let's call it an F+. Plus. Uh, for okay. Southampton. This bodes for a long podcast. Yes, it does. We, that's what we're spending <laughs> on Southampton. <laughs> all right, number 19... And oh, how weird you got an American to come help you out uh, was Leeds, obviously, uh, the, the <laughs> major Leeds football, major Leeds football. Yes. yes. Now, interestingly enough, <clears throat> you were too far off, Lars. I kind of butchered. They did this. get it relegated. Was ma- it was obviously major Leeds soccer. What am I talking about? I completely butchered the joke. <laughs> I wasn't. I was worried about Leeds. I don't remember where I put them, but I remember looking at it, thinking, "Huh, these guys." It went to basically went to the last day of the season, didn't it? They nearly got relegated, and since then they've lost their best creator, Rafinha. He's gone to Barcelona. Their midfield general has gone to Man City. So you've lost two like properly good players, and with them you nearly got relegated. So this could get tricky, is what I was thinking. And they added Weston McKenney at the beginning of the season. Who was going to predict that he'd get addicted to fish and chips and add a bunch of weight? <laughs> wow. Um, well, well, so, you, well, you know Weston better than I do. I mean, and they I added him. He's, add, he's from the Dallas area, actually. Yeah. So. And, and, and you, I mean, you, I'm sure you might have to be diplomatic. They did add him in, in January, of course. Sorry to be pedantic. They added Tyler Adams in the, at the beginning <laughs> of the season, who's actually very good. And I do, I will maintain that if he hadn't gotten injured, yeah, maybe they stay up. Who knows? But, uh, is is Weston prone to the old deep fried delicacy? I think uh, Weston will is a lover of food on occasion. I, mm. Look, I think that was a bad situation for him. He went thinking he was going to get coached by one guy, and a week later was being coached by somebody else, and it was not a great situation. Um, we'll see. We've seen better from Weston. It was a bad situation. I think we can all agree. I think that's fair, and 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 also just. Actually, we, we I've talked over you now so many times. Where did I put them in my god-awful predictions? You had leads at 16. Okay. You know, I can live with that. That's Not like, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. In, in trouble. Definitely in trouble, I thought. But I thought they were going to get out of it. Well, to and, compare, you had Southampton seven <laughs> uh, uh, spaces different. You're only three apart or four apart here. Yeah, so you're yeah, okay. Yeah, I was fundamentally wrong about Southampton. I, I thought they'd be clear of the relegation mire. And, of course, they, they ended up uh, propping up the bottom. Listen, the thing I don't get with Leeds is that they went big on this Red Bull thing. Obviously, the fact that it's Jesse Marshy is an American, uh, you get all the sort of cheap shots about Ted Lasso, but obviously when they also then bring in, you know, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, and then later Weston McKenney, it's going to be a whole sort of Yank uh, theme to it. But I also thought it was much more about the Red Bull thing because they also brought in Rasmus Kistensen. And, you know, it was clear that they were looking at this sort of high-energy up tempo up an atom thing i think victor orto was the sporting director at the time i don't think he saw jesse marsh i think the american thing wasn't on his mind i just think he saw a guy 
who initially did really well at Salzburg and, you know, people like him, people speak well of him and he, he showed some promise in the Red Bull system, didn't work out at Leipzig, but, you know, that can happen and thought this is the guy. So we're going to furnish him with some high pressing players. Players are used to putting in the work in a very different kind of press, but in a different kind of football. But they did. They, they were used to working hard under Bielsa. So he probably just thought that, uh, you know, we're going to swap one high energy, high pressing model for another and it'll work. And then they kind of lost their nerve a bit, didn't they? I'm not going to do the whole would Marsh have kept them up or not. We'll never know. It's pointless to discuss it. But I did think the way they just kind of pivoted from him to Javi Gracia was just downright weird. Well, they needed to learn how to def- They were never a team that was very good at defending. And once their ability to score completely shut off, they were screwed. Um, and a sp- and a specifically when Tyler Adams got hurt because he was really the linchpin to any kind of defending they were at all capable of. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it all just kind of melted from that point. And I don't know if there was a manager on the planet that was going to save them. No. And, and I mean, I say it was bizarre. I did say at the time that, well, this makes sense because they can't defend. So they need to hire a defensive manager. So I was I got that wrong as well. And you can you're a very humble American, as I know you, Peter, but you can say it. Tyler Adams is really good. Like, I'm going to say it so you don't have to. Tyler Adams is tremendous. And I, I still like, again, maintain if he hadn't gotten hurt, because when he got injured, there was just really no protection for that defense at all. And that defense. None. Zero. Yes. And not only that, asking Weston McKenney to try to help uh, fill that role is not what Weston is any good at. Weston is not a six. He's more of an eight. And so yeah. um, it's just it was uh, like I said, it was a bad deal uh, shakeout for everybody all the way around. And uh, well, I'm yeah, sure but I'm not yet. will screw it back together. And I, I realized like that uh, me, me sort of me being snide about Weston McKenney being fat is like uh, launching a, a uh, sort of intercontinental <laughs> missile in a glass house. You know, it's not, it's not ideal, but he wasn't. Well, to in be fair head. to Weston, uh, but to be fair to you, Lars, I made the joke first. So. I, uh, he, he, he wasn't in his best shape. I think we can say that. And they, you're right. They just couldn't score goals. And you, you watched a lot of leads. I'm sorry, we're going to, we're going to be faster on some of the clubs mm-hmm. than this. Wolves, for instance, I don't want to spend any time on, but like, you saw a lot of Leeds games, and I do find them slightly mm-hmm. baffling. My impression was they often got into good areas, but they made so many bad decisions, like in with the final oh. pass and stuff like this. They were miserable in attack. I mean, once they got passed uh, out of their defending half of the field, they just didn't collectively know what to do with the ball, uh, and there and there was a lot of blame to go around. They just were terrible at it, and um and and you know there's some talent in that team, but there's a lot of work to be done to to improve that. But they've got to figure out how to defend, and they probably unfortunately need a new goalkeeper as well. I, 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 <laughs> Weston's not staying, obviously, um, I, and I'm assuming Aronson and I don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Adams. Uh, Tyler deserves to play in the Premier League or a different mm. in a top league. So I'm I'm interested to watch out how with the new ownership uh and Victor Orta being gone, what Leeds offseason shakes out like and if they're capable of of reorganizing this into something that can compete to get back in the Premier League quickly. Yeah, I worry a bit about them because maybe I'm getting stuck in my own tracks here, but I think with Southampton you have some players there who probably go, fair enough, I'll do a season in the championship. That might be not the worst thing for my career. You know, a lot of those young guys are like, well, if I play 35 games in the championship next season, you know, that'll be good for my development. I think Leeds and our next club, they have a lot of guys who really don't want to be there next year. And I think that's a challenge when you're trying to put together a team that's going to go straight back up, right? Yeah, I. Th- that's... 
Yeah, and the, and speaking on the uh, club we're about to talk about that, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, Leeds, to me, always had a smell of a championship club playing above their weight in the Premier League to a to a large degree. But in the next club, that is absolutely the case. And I'm if there's a club that I'm worried about long term, it is the next one. Yeah, we're just going to close out the Leeds chat with a hard F. I mean, I'm sorry, there's no other, you know, it was a... It was bad. The, 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 I, I can't justify. Oh, okay, like, so we're officially it, it, stating the Lars grade for Leeds is. Well, this is the thing. But then we end up. I was saying I didn't just want to give all the relegated teams F. But I mean, what can you do? I mean, you, <laughs> what what's the argument for giving Leeds a passing grade here? Uh, the way this shook they out. They actually hired they hired Sam Allardyce in an attempt to save it, and that was worth the entertainment dollar. So maybe give him yeah, a D minus. Just yeah, to... you didn't do it soon enough. Like. <laughs> true uh, okay <laughs> no if i can't give southampton an e for endeavor with all their youth and sort of ted talk rasmus ankerson pulling the strings no there's no defense for this leads as much as it was a difficult hand they were dealt uh yeah you got to give him an f i think and and then we're but then again having given leads an f i do wonder what on earth we're going to do with this next team because it feels like an f is oh. not quite enough oh yes uh <laughs> Well, yes, at number 18, it is Leicester, Leicester City, uh, maybe one of the saddest tales of the last Premier League season. What an amazing crumble this is from the highs of winning the Premier League just six seasons prior to getting relegated. Unbelievable. Lars, you had predicted Leicester oh, no. as a mid-table, a mid-table team at 10th. Uh. So this is actually a worse prediction yes. than your Southampton one. So this officially, at this point of the podcast, Lester is so far Lars's worst prediction. But will I? But I feel almost less embarrassed about it because at least in putting them in tenth, I think I had them a few places lower than other people. Yeah, I don't think the, anybody. The, I mean, it, do you know anybody that had predicted Lester getting relegated? No, this not season? at all. And and I, I, I'm sure there were some people who had them like eighth or seventh. Uh, at, uh, I'm sure that they exist. Bad, but the bad vibes. Leicester City. I guess that's a classic sort of trope of a relegation battle, isn't it? That you have a team that you look at and on paper they're too good for it to go down and then they just do. And and I, I kept saying yeah. it all year. I just think that situation, they ended up in a situation with a lot of guys who didn't want to be there. And I think that's a really bad starting point for a relegation battle when everyone kind of has to pull together and just kind of sneak results here and there. Too many guys who didn't want to be there. Brendan Rodgers... I'm sure he's probably a good manager, but he did. He complained about not there not being enough investment. There wasn't a lot of investment, but we spent a lot of time looking at Leicester and a Leicester City team that couldn't defend. And Brendan Rodgers had a lot of time to try to fix it, and he just never did. Okay, hold on, wait a second. For anybody that would make that argument, let's just and I don't mean to pick on the cherries, but look at Bournemouth's roster mm -hmm. and look at Leicester's roster, and tell me which team is the re relegation candidate. No, and I mean this is, I mean you, this is the whole thing. It's it's not played on paper, and this is something right. I uh, this is something that I forget sometimes because I'm obsessed with stats and numbers and things. The, the sort of interpersonal dynamics and in the dressing room in a team matters a lot, right? And Bournemouth for me, we'll we'll get to it, but a classic case of a team that knew what they were and what they weren't, and and they had some bad defeats, but their heads never dropped and they never panicked, never got frustrated. They just kept going. You know, next week is another chance to do something. Leicester just. I, you know, their model 
has for a long time been to sort of try to sign guys in their early 20s who are going somewhere and try to build that way. And I like that. I think if you're a mid-table team, that's probably the way you, you want to go about it. But the trouble is when you then have a downturn for various reasons, suddenly a lot of guys who joined Leicester thinking that was part of an up, up you know, upwards curve find themselves that not only have they not gotten the move onwards that they were hoping for, they're suddenly in a team that's like in the bottom half. And like, this isn't what I wanted to do with my career and my life. And I think motivations kind of go a little bit. And it was just, it was a mess. Yeah. It was a weird season, definitely. And we haven't even gotten into uh, the curious case of Casper Schmeichel, which I still think was the biggest red flag to start the season that we all didn't pay close enough attention to. No, I think you're right. I mean, if you're a starting goalkeeper and captain, I think he was just leaves mm-hmm. <laughs> right before the two season weeks starts. before the season starts. Yeah, yes. I, guys, I'm out of here. Like, I, I think this, that's that's again. I'm sure he was offered a good deal by uh, Jim Radcliffe's niece, who are you know a financially potent uh, club now. And you know, you might not know this, Pete, but a lot of listeners will know. You know, Norwegians, when we get to a certain retirement age, like the the, the Southern Europe, here we come. It's 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 more a Spain, <laughs> much more of a Spain thing than a Southern France thing. But I mean, there's a slightly more upmarket sort of Scandinavian retirement. Southern we have France similar thing. stereotypes here in the United States, Lars. For it's sure, like they're all. It's like it's it's like the equivalent of like the the longtime goalkeeper of New York City FC just deciding to head to Florida for a couple of years. It's like, well, you know, I've had it with this weather. I'm off to the beach. Uh, But but even so, yeah, your captain and starting goalkeeper leaving just before the season for a negligible fee is bad, and you don't replace him. And you know, the other thing wasn't really talked about. Do you know how many goals Jamie Vardy scored this season? I'm sorry. How many goals did Vardy score this season? Yeah. Was did he even hit ten this year? Three. Jamie Vardy. Whoa. Scored three goals in 19 starts and 18 performances off the bench. That's a lot of. Uh, it's, it, yeah. It's actually, more minutes than he played last season, and he scored 15. <laughs> so, so Jamie Vardy's uh, What's production to him just fallen off a cliff. Well, I, I off my top of my head, I don't remember his contractual situation, but he's 36 and has had an absolute stinker of a year. Maybe in the slightly more sort of chaotic world of the championship, it's possible for him to. But I wonder if he maybe is at a point of his career in his life where maybe he wants to cash in on his fame a little bit and get like a. Uh, I got a landing spot for him. Well, I mean, it's not going to be. I don't think Jamie Vardy would be happy in Saudi Arabia for any number of reasons. But as <laughs> I know, he, he, he can come join the L.A. Galaxy. They would love well, to have a Jamie Vardy you know at the what? Galaxy. I MLS, while there's still some juice in his legs, I think Jamie Vardy would actually have a good time. I think that's not the worst thing in the world for him to do. To, to just experience, rather than just sort of trudging around, just getting have to just a shit kicked out of him in the championship for a year. That's no good for a 36 year old Jamie Vardy. It's no fun at all. There's a financial side of it, of course, but yeah, I think uh, Jamie Vardy just not scoring goals anymore. Bad, bad juju for Leicester. Mm, yeah, I'm very worried about the future of Leicester. I hope the. Uh, I I always, as an American sports fan, relegation is such a curious thing to me. The suffering and misery that comes with <laughs> getting kicked out of a league is such a weird thing uh, for me. And I always feel bad for the teams that get relegated. But Leicester, in particular, I'm very worried about their future. I. 
I hope it's it's uh, more more secure than I uh, than I uh, I read. So they had some good news and some bad news this week. Bad news being that uh, James Madison has gone, and seemingly for a slightly lower fee than they were hoping. Good news is they've signed Harry Winks. Now you might still be thinking <laughs> about the bad news, but you know. <laughs> So here in the United States, we call that a yay boo uh, scenario. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the and I'm boo not is sure maybe... either one of those qualify as a yay. Uh... <laughs> when you trade Tottenham midfielders and one of them ends up with Madison and the other one gets Harry Winks. Not ideal. <laughs> That's not ideal. Okay, not Lars, we're at the grading it's... portion of the podcast. Yeah. Lars, what is no. your official letter grade for uh... Leicester City? It's an F minus, if that's a thing. So for the relegation teams, we end up with an F plus, an F, and an F minus. Is uh, is how I see it. You could uh, you could also uh, you know go like the uh, Chesty OnlyFans uh, channel and give them a double F. Oh my god, that is not what I expected you to go. But fine, uh, is that no? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lars. It's weird Texas humor. I'm, I'm, sta- I'm sticking with F minus. Okay, Uh, very good. Now we're out of the relegation zone, and now here we are at Everton at number 17. Lars, you had predicted Everton. Not bad, Lars, not bad. You had them at 14. Well, it's not great, but... So I thought... I still think... Well, again, it's closer in terms of places, but I think I was fundamentally wrong about Everton because my feeling was that their strategy of just signing a lot of brawlers, <laughs> of like having a lot of like tough guys who run around a lot and kick people. You know, if you if this was like a bar fight 11 comparison, I think Everton's definitely one of the teams in the league who I would back in a bar fight. And, and that seemed to be a conscious strategy last summer. And I kind of liked it. I thought there was something to it. But but then uh, dear old Frank Lampard was just utterly incapable of turning it into a team okay. that, that was able to produce anything. And I guess it just left them very short on creativity. There's a lot of water carriers in that team. And you do need a few of those. And and I'm reminded of the old saying that, you know, you do need a certain number of players on a team who, if a fight breaks out, they'll run towards it and not away from it. Everton have a lot of those guys. But yeah, they really struggle to create things. 34 goals over 38 games is not good. And they nearly, nearly found the trapdoor. But you know what? We did say it on the radio show or on the podcast when he was hired. Daesh finds a way. He does. And he did. And the first thing he did was he put Decore back in the team. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that was probably the the biggest uh, uh, trick that helped them uh, stave off relegation. It's funny. You mentioned Frank Lampard. Am I the only one that feels like Frank Lampard manager at Everton was like a lifetime ago? (laughs) Yeah, because we've had so much fun with Frank Lampard manager of Chelsea in the meantime. It just seems like I... I, if you had pressed me at the beginning of this to remember when he was the manager, I may have said it was the previous season. That's crazy. The World Cup's effed everything up in terms that and COVID has messed with everybody's sense of time. So Comple- completely uh, agree. So there's no time yeah. now for the whole Frank Lampard conversation, but just very shortly, I kind of see him as like one of the Nepo babies of football. Like he's walked into some managerial positions where I'm like, really? <laughs> how did that happen like i'm not sure what you've done to what <laughs> uh, and and uh and, and and that's why i think 
and he seems to then kind of, and this is no fault of his as a person, maybe, but he then seems to exemplify something that I don't think you could understand unless you've lived in the UK for a certain amount of time. But just a tendency of like slightly well-to-do uh, sort of white guys to sort of wander into possessions that, <laughs> how did you get the, what? You're clearly not qualified for this. And uh, um, and he kind of personified that a little bit, which is why sort of I've always kind of been on his case. But this was such a sad season for Frank Lampard. Even I sort of towards the end felt it just, there's an element of just kicking someone who's already dead about making fun of Frank Lampard right now. But certainly he couldn't make sense of this Everton team. Sean Dyche did just about enough to keep them up. Really intrigued to see where they go next season. So what is your letter grade? Oh, God, that's ass. Pretty hard letter grade, isn't it? Um, they stayed up, which in a season that was always going to be a little bit difficult. <laughs> no, this is. Can we B plus or C minus? Does that feel okay? Whoa, really? That high? Wait, wait. B plus. That's a rather large D, range. D, D, my God. Oh, uh, D, oh, plus. D as in dog. I thought yeah. you said B plus to C minus. No, B I plus, that's, my God. That's okay. a weird Norwegian bell curve you're grading on there, I'll, sir. I'll say Sean um, Dyche gets a B plus for, for getting it safe to home, but no. For Everton as a club. So I want to be slightly. I just kind of thought, well. C seems a bit generous. C minus seems it? right. Yeah. yeah, C minus. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah, no, I think you. They were in quite. They were. They were in quite a tailspin when they got rid of Frank. Now that I think yeah. about it, so they pulled themselves out of a pretty miserable uh, situation. I mean, there was there were many many weeks there towards the end of the season where you, we were all pretty convinced they were going down. Yeah. And it is the Leeds thing again. They were in trouble last year, and they lost their best attacker in the summer. And they replaced him with Neil Mopai, which is probably not good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so it. I did expect them to struggle. I thought they'd sort of scrap their way to survival, and they kind of did, even though it was closer than I thought it was going to be. So let's let's just call it a C minus. And just bearing in mind as well, getting relegated would have been such a catastrophe for them financially. Everton, like Leicester, is one of those two clubs that if either one or both got relegated, I was worried about their future just because of the weird ownership and financial situation and that weird wonky stadium thing that's going on. Like I, how that thing would have ever played out had they been relegated uh, was a, a real interesting business uh, uh, mystery. Yeah, getting relegated with a half-built stadium and a theor- theoretically rich owner who, and again, I honestly don't know where I am legally about what you can say about the Everton owner and what you can. So I'm just going to say, situation not good. Uh, it probably won't be able to put that much money into the club going forward. I think that's a fair thing to say. And then you can do your own research, as 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 they say. Uh, this would have been an enormously bad year for them to get relegated. So they they managed to stay up. It was okay. the only thing they had to do. And uh, we'll see what Sean Dyche can make of them. I like Sean Dyche at Everton. Like really, I mean, they're not there for very long, but a very tight, intimate stadium. There's something right about the sort of scrappy, angry team at Goodison just being awful to play against, and sort of Sean Dyche telling everyone they can't wear hats. And this is a, I, I kind of like it. I'm 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 up for it. Uh, I, I need him to sign a tall man to, who can stay healthy up front next season, and we'll see where they go. I would like for you to commit to a letter grade, please, sir, for Everton. No, let's do C minus. Let's do C minus. All right, C minus. C minus. It is. All right, that moves us to number sixteen in the final twenty-two, twenty-three Premier League table, where we find Nottingham Forest. Lars, you predicted Forest. <laughs> 
as a relegation candidate at 19. I did. Or I, not just a candidate. I predicted them to, to, to go down. Oh, yes. And, and yes. Be, to, to be rejected by the Premier League and told to go straight back down from, from whence you came. You know, they stayed up. I didn't think they'd do that. I think very few people thought they did do that. And certainly after the first couple of months, like in their first nine games, they won, won, drew, won, and lost the rest. Seven defeats in their first nine. At that point, you're thinking, you know, this this is not good. <laughs> uh, all these players they've <laughs> signed, you know, they, 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 they signed about 30 players and that was just the fullbacks. You know, it's just total chaos in that squad. Um Poor Steve Cooper, everyone likes him, but you know, can he can he get something out of it? Is he gonna get sacked by this crazy Greek man who's in charge? You know, no one really thought this was gonna work out. And I think that they were I mean, I never I don't think I've ever seen this happen before. The manager lost the last of the season, but I think they went through three sporting directors. Like this is very innovative uh stuff from the Nottingham Forest management. <laughs> this is just not not typically how anything works, but uh, here we are. Um, but they stayed up, and that was the only thing they had to do this season. Uh, it wasn't cheap. They spent a lot of money, but uh, and and they but they do end this season what I think the beginnings of a pretty interesting squad there, and uh, yeah, they stayed up. It'll be interesting to see what Cooper can do with a with a uh, somewhat settled squad. Uh, and now that he doesn't have, because that that was all very predictable when you try to throw thirty guys together on a team for the first time together uh, so quickly uh, for the Premier League of all things, uh, but for them to stave off relegation and stay up, I think is I thought was very impressive. Yeah, and I wish they had gone back to the sponsorless shirts because I thought that was a great look at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, very, very good uh, at the end of the day for Forrest. I didn't believe, but the the, the, the tricky trees were, were able to do it uh, in the end. Another thing we didn't talk about Forrest a lot this season, they had a lot of injuries. Like, the, the, they had a lot of injuries. They When they brought, like, even more players in January, people were like, oh, my God, Forrest, will you stop buying players? But they actually had quite a lot of injuries uh, to deal with uh, in the, in this uh, it was a very chaotic season. I think if, if anyone had done like an Amazon documentary, be- all access behind the scenes at Forest this year, I'm sure that would have been quite juicy. But uh, there they are. This is, uh, I kind of want to say, this is like a B plus, I think. Just because they, they came up, bearing in mind they came up with a lot of their players being like either on loan or old guys whose contracts were running out. So we made fun of them for signing all these dudes, but they had to. They had to put together a new squad. There's really no reason why that should work. Oh, I think a B or B-plus is totally uh, uh, worthy, Lars. I yeah. think that's a totally fair grade. Going B-plus for Nottingham Forest. All right, B-plus for Nottingham Forest. Lars, you were only three, three, dot, uh, three spaces off, so that's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. All right, number 15 is aforementioned Bournemouth and the Cherries, who ended up in 15th. Yeah, I, I must have had them Large. to go down, didn't I? Uh, not only did you have the Cherries <laughs> going down, now. Lars, you had them dead seller last uh, in 20th. Yeah. Not your worst prediction. No. That remains Lester at this point of the of the podcast. But still, um, yeah. Can I just say that actually the XG agrees with me? <laughs> sure, yeah, you can yeah, you can justify actually, it however it makes yeah, you feel yeah. better. If, if, if you do the, if you do the thing with the XG uh, for, forwards, yeah, XG generate. What do we call it? Can't say XG score. That doesn't make any sense. XG generated going forward minus the XG conceded down the other end. You end up with an XG goal difference. 
Bournemouth, worse than the league. <laughs> so like the, the the but that could be because they had a few blowouts here and there. And 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 that's kind of what I, I I think again, there's such a textbook example of a team that understood what the job was, who went into the season thinking, we're gonna lose some games here. <laughs> but but never really panicked when they did. It was only really their coach, Scott Parker, who kind of had a freak out early on in the season and basically said on television that we're kind of bad and we're not gonna we're gonna lose a lot of games. And the owners had to had to take action and Gary O'Neill came in. But if you go through their season, there's so many times where they suffered a bad result and just kind of came back and got something out of the next game. You know, heads didn't drop. They didn't get frustrated. They kind of kept, kept going at it. Every every game is a new occasion to just kind of get something. And, and in the end, you know, they managed to do it. I remember being on your show and being really snarky about the the Las Vegas guy, the who owns the club now, and they have uh, the the guy from Creed is involved, and it's all a bit strange. And I was <laughs> these guys, they do realize they've bought a championship club. <laughs> is is what I said, and I you know egg on my face, you know, because they managed to do it. Well, let's uh, let's be clear. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is from Creed, the movie fame, not Creed, mm. the awful uh, hard rock band from Florida fame. Uh, and it is Bill Foley. And I just want to I want everybody to uh, put a pin in this for next season, because what you as a as somebody who probably doesn't follow uh, the NHL, the hockey league over here in the United States, which you may not be aware of, is that Bill Foley started a new hockey team in Las Vegas, maybe less than four seasons ago and just won the Stanley Cup. Oh, and he did that in a very dramatic flair for just doing whatever he needed to do to get the best pieces in place. So just keep that in mind with the cherries because he's, he is a guy who is uh, no fuss, no muss. He will make a change in manager quickly if he needs to. I think you've seen that with the Gary O'Neill change. I think that surprised a lot of people. Um, And so just, just keep in mind, Bill Foley is, uh, a guy who has a track record of success in hmm. this role. And I mean, I said on this pod, I was like, mm, maybe they're underestimating the job Gary O'Neill did in, in keeping them up. It could also be a case that they looked at it and say, well, we stayed up, but we had literally the worst XG in the league. So if we do the same thing all over again, we're probably not going to stay up. Uh, on the Creed joke, I just immediately, when you pointed out the thing about Creed, that's very funny. I just had a, could maybe Michael B. Jordan do like a job swap? with the dude from Creed and we could have Michael B. Jordan uh, singing kind of dr- dr- terrible music and the guy from Creed being punched in the face for two hours. Uh, I think that could be uh, everyone, I, everyone wins. Uh, if Scott Stapp ended up being a, a premier league owner and showed well, up I and did Mar- arms was wide be in open the, or something. Yeah, I thought he was just going to be in the Creed film and just get punched a lot. I think that's more, more what people want to see. <laughs> Uh, so it's an there a. we go. It's, a, it's, so, it's an A for Bournemouth, man. They stayed up. I had, an A. Yeah, I had them dead last. I thought they were completely doomed. I think they. I still think they have the worst squad in the league on paper. Gary O'Neill did it somehow. No right to stay up at all. Worst XG. Somehow they did it. Got to have. There's got to be a point to this grading scale. You got it. That's got to be an A. Okay. And you are excited about their new manager, correct? We haven't even. You and I haven't even talked about his hire yet. <sighs> 
Seems interesting. Seems I'm there's a there's like the hipster side of me, and then it's the cynical side of me that are completely at war here. Well, the reason why I'm interested because I had totally forgotten this, but not that long ago, the same man was playing midfield for Patrick Vieira for NYCFC in Major League Soccer. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, he played one season in the league. So out of the major European leagues, I'll confess this, I think the listeners know, out of the big five, the one I should spend more hours on in the season is La Liga, probably. I, I, mm-hmm. I end up, because of timing issues, I don't know why it is, uh, but, but La Liga is the one where I feel like my knowledge isn't as up-to-date as it should be, so I can't confess that I've seen a lot of Rayo Vallecano, but he's got a very, very good reputation. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it'll I, be fun to watch. It's risky, but from a neutral sp- standpoint, this is a more fun thing for Mr. Foley to do with his team going into next season. Okay, so a solid A for the Cherries, who ended up in 15th, and Lars, who predicted, would end up in last place. Good for yeah. you, Lars. All right, oh, at yes. number 14, uh, <laughs> ending up at number 14, is European trophy holder West Ham United. Very weird. <laughs> really enjoyed that say. it's just a great sort of little elbow after the ball had gone there peter very good stuff uh, <laughs> good for you but what honestly god what do we what do we make a west ham season because i can't quite get my head around this i still want somebody to tell me and confirm if 14th league if if a team ending up at 14th in their domestic league is now officially the lowest a team that won a european trophy yeah, um, so I'm gonna. All the West Ham fans are gonna get annoyed now, but like the wealthiest team in competition wins competition. That's just kind sure. of how, yeah. But but you know, so they won that tournament. But again, West Ham fans have had to sit through some garbage over the years. So for them to have that amazing night out in Prague, which by the way, decent city to have an amazing night out in. Uh, I wish them all the best. They really deserved it. Anyone who's been a West Ham season ticket holder for the last sort of couple of decades, you know, if anyone deserves that sort of moment of glory, it's them. So I don't want to like piss on that at all. I just, you know, that competition is not for you. <laughs> it's not for the Premier League teams. It really no. isn't. I'm not going to let this go. But, uh, but, but, but they did lift a trophy. They did have that great night. Uh, David Moyes <laughs> had his moment. Uh, but in the league, of course, having been very, very good, having been in the top half uh, for two seasons running, suddenly all the way down in 14th. And it was very underwhelming. Do you remember where you predicted them? Top half, definitely. Yes, yes. You had them in seventh, floors. Really? That's high. Ooh, that's very high. Seventh, really? You had them at seventh. Yeah, so this is almost as bad no, as your Leicester right. prediction. I cannot be right. I've got to check I, that. I'm looking at the list, Lars. Oh, it says Newcastle room. seven. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I'm looking. I'm reading wrong. Hold on. Wait. Let me check I'm, my. Oh, I, yeah, I see what's happened here. Yeah, you know. Okay. I had them ninth. Uh, that's what's happened here. Uh, it, it says Newcastle. Oh, that's what's happened. <laughs> oh, my God. This what? is the quality of prep that's gone into this production there, listener. Bear with us. I see now on the list I've sent Peter, and I'm kind of spoiling this for myself a little bit because I just copy-pasted it off an old email. And the list I put Newcastle put, in two places. You didn't predict Newcastle. You just you didn't even predict them this no, season. This is no, now officially your worst. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I predicted them to be kicked out of the league and replaced with like a clone, a zombie, a clone. With two West Newcastle Hampton. teams. Yeah, right. yeah, the, the Saudis. <laughs> they have the technology. No, um, uh, it's no, yeah. It, I had them ninth. I think is what this means. It's just I've there's a typo and this is oh my god the the poor quality of podcasting. We could also stop real quick and I could just say, Lars, you had them at ninth and you could edit all that out and nobody no, it's would staying know. In. This is a fine occasion to remind. Okay, you know what, guys. More and more pay- podcasts are going behind paywalls. This one is not, and that's why you get nonsense like this. Uh, yeah, I predicted. Uh, I predicted West Ham nine. Well, I'm also embarrassed. For some reason, I read Newcastle and thought West Ham United. I don't know why. That's the weirdest well, thing. Well, but 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 so I had All right, them. So you had them in. Yes, ninth. I thought they were going to drop off a little bit. I didn't think they were going to drop off that far. I feel like they've. And we know this because God bless Michael Antonio has this podcast that he does for the BBC where he just kind of front straight up came out and said that, oh, well, David Moyes had us try a bit, play a bit more possession football this year. It didn't work at all. <laughs> Much worse. <laughs> so so we know what happened in the first half of the season. <laughs> they tried to play a bit more yeah. football and it turned out they're not very good. Well, I think they could be very good at that. I'm not quite sure David Moyes is good at coaching that. Hmm. And then he kind of went back to basics in the second half and they saved uh, their spot in the Premier League and won the trophy. And I wonder where it leaves them with Moyes. I kind of felt they were heading towards the summer where it made sense to go their separate ways, a kind of conscious uncoupling type of thing. But then they won that trophy. They can't get rid of him now. So it's another year of Moisey. So what's your letter grade? Oh, God, who knows? Um, West Ham fans, you're going to be annoyed because you won your first trophy in forever. And those who know me well enough to know I'm Tottenham will make make fun of me for being not respecting trophies and blah, blah, blah. I, I can't. I don't think I can give it more than a C plus, to be honest, because you're in 14th. Like with quite a are decent... you count are you counting the European trophy in this grade or are you just going by yeah the I think so because actually West Ham have spent quite a lot of money and their wage bill is not small and them being fourteenth and spending a lot of time in the relegation area is really bad so uh, I'm I'm going C plus on this one. Uh, if it wasn't for the trophy, we'd... all right, yeah. So C plus includes the trophy because I think if you take the trophy out, I, I think you're a stretch at a C. I think. It, oh yeah, it, we're in sort of D minus E territory for that. Honestly, yes. Now here's the great irony. Earlier, you said you didn't want to spend any time talking about this next club, but ironically, this may be one of your best predictions. Wolves ah. ended up in thirteenth. You, Lars, predicted them in fifteenth. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, too good to get relegated. Not good enough to do to anything else. Um, least interesting team in the league. S- seems to be just kind of a depository for George Mendes affiliated people who have nowhere else to go. Pointless. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Wolves fans. I just don't wow. like we're, ru- we're, ru- we're running very Letter long. Letter grade, Lars? Um, Wolves letter grade, sir? Oh, God damn. Uh, who... Uh, I'm tempted just to give them nothing because I'm just so not thrilled by the club at the moment. But um, I guess lower mid table is let's call this a C minus maybe. It's a bit kind. Let's call it a D. Why not? I don't really? know. C minus probably. Who cares? Well, wait. You said they were going to be 15th and they ended up 13th. Why are you giving them such a low grade? I'm just thinking overall. It's just such an in- boring club. This is your podcast and your grading system. I don't care. I've had it with Wolves. There's so many more interesting things to talk about. Well, we are going to spend, I I fear, way too much time on this next club. Uh, 
Goodness gracious. It is oh the my story God. Of the I season. need an entire episode. Yeah, this could be a podcast. It probably it's I'm sure it's been many people's uh standalone podcast. It is Chelsea at twelfth. They ended up in twelfth. Am I correct in saying this is the first time Chelsea has finished a Premier League or has finished a season with less than fifty points since like nineteen seventy something. Yeah, that sounds some, about some right. Crazy amount of time. And it's yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. It's, it's it's Southampton, but with more money. <laughs> 600 billion dollars spent on yeah. more players than they had space for they end up in 12th place uh and Lars you had predicted them in fifth you hadn't even predicted yeah. a great season for Chelsea no and yet still, it was exponentially worse than that I didn't I, but I was wrong about a lot of things. I did think like Koulibaly was going to still have some some juice in his legs, and uh, that Raheem Sterling would be good. And like, yeah, I misread the club completely. And but I will say, as much as I love making fun of Todd uh, Todd Bowley, uh, just for his just total overconfidence and <laughs> sort of taking over the club, and like initially saying, "Well." It's, just like any other human capital business or whatever he said. Or, and, and then the other stuff, why don't we have an all-star game? And like, Todd, who just has not had, has achieved exactly nothing in the sport, just coming in and explaining to everyone how easy this is and how everything should be done differently. Uh, him proving himself completely incapable of running a football club uh, in any sort of way is really funny. It is objectively funny. But I do also have to balance that by saying, I think it is possible, again, like might happen with Southampton. I think we might be sat here a few years in the future and kind of look at this window and say, wow, they did sign a lot of really good players. Because I think a lot of these young guys they have in the squad are potentially brilliant footballers. It's just they got too many of them at the same time. And and, and you ended up with a squad that didn't make any sense. And you you had the wrong guy to try to make sense of it in, in Graham Potter, who I rate very, very highly as a coach and as a football man, but I'm not sure he has the sort of, when you have that sort of bloat, I think the guy in charge just needs to be totally ruthless and say, you know, these guys, these guys I'm using, the rest of you, you got to just got to do something else. And then you work with it. Whereas Potter is one of those really empathetic guys who just kind of sees everyone and gets everyone on board. And, you know, if you're managing Swansea or, or Brighton, that's, that's what you want. But I don't think that's what Chelsea needed this season. Pochettino coming in, them having a big clear out with with some help from their Saudi friends this summer. It could yeah. be the start of something much better for Chelsea, but of course this season an unmitigated disaster for the club. No, no doubt about it. Uh, first off, I apologize as an American for Todd Bowley. <laughs> He's just, um, I'm two, sorry, he just lives up to so many bad stereotypes of American businessmen. It's really funny. Uh, Anytime they do a uh, a shot of him in the stands watching football, it's essentially the same face uh, look on my face when somebody's describing string theory. He just looks so confused as to what's happening in front of him, and it's embarrassing as an American. Um, yeah, it's it's it is a strange mess of a story. I I am fascinated by this whole. Um, Saudi helping them sell off their players and how that's going to, and I I'm interested in how that's being received over in England. Cause that feels like an incredible weird loophole they're getting away with. And I, yeah. and I also feel like if I was a Newcastle fan, yes. I would be absolutely out of my mind yeah. upset about this 
I know, I know. It's so, Newcastle's owners know. giving a helping hand to their Champions League rivals next season. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird. It is really strange. I don't get it. So, But I would just add, before I move on, I don't really believe in the whole sort of conspiracy like, oh, Todd Bowley has done a deal with the Saudis to do with something else. I mean, I think this is just China on steroids. A, a new country, well, not a new country, very old country, a, a sort of football a, a place that wants to build a football economy and wants to attract attention and glitz and glamour. And they have a lot of money and very little know-how. And they're easy, easy marks for agents and everyone else who knows how to, who are very good at extracting money from naive rich people and who are just making an absolute killing this summer because of it. We saw it with China. We're seeing exactly the same mechanisms here. And I do think I'm not freaking out about it at all because, frankly, I don't really care if people want to go and just not play football and make a lot of money. That's that's on that's on them. But it's also sooner or later, even the people in Saudi have bosses who will ask them, like, what are we actually getting for all this money, as happened in China <laughs> after a while? And, and they'll realize it's actually not that much. And so I, I don't think there's a glittering future. There's not a glittering future for the Saudi league, I don't think. Yeah. For now, it's just a place where clubs who have made some bad decisions and handed out some contracts they now regret have an opportunity to offload some players at financially very beneficial uh, terms. And that just happens sometimes in football. Yeah, uh, you know how I love a weird analogy. The Chelsea roster to me remains a great mystery and a bit of a mess. And the best analogy I can think of is here. I don't know if when you were a kid, Lars, were you able to like make your own soda drink from the soda fountain, and it had all the different flavors? Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Did you yeah, do yeah. that? Yeah. So over here, as a kid, we. We would call that a suicide. You just go and you put <laughs> one of all your flavors in there and Gosh. you'd end up with this insane drink that tasted awful, but you drink it anyway. That to me is Chelsea. So this is kind of like I worked at a pizza place in my teens uh, and everyone who starts one of the perks of working at a pizza place is that you can kind of make your own pizza for 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 for, for lunch when you're there. <laughs> and everyone who's. Start, who are who have only just started what they do is they put a ton of toppings on there it's like i want all of this put this on get all the meats in and they do it like once or twice and then i realize actually that tastes awful that's the end of it it's completely unbalanced too much meat doesn't cook right it's all sloppy and weird and the longer they work there like the less stuff they ended up actually putting on the pizza and instead you end up with a tight sort of garlic and ham type of concoction or something just because you learn how to actually get the flavors out of the what you're working with uh yeah it's, it's basically that it's a pizza with an unseemly amount of toppings and uh yeah it didn't work yeah it's it you know it's bad when people are making food and drink references and analogies to your team uh that's you know when things have gone really south when <laughs> when that's when yeah. we're making the comparisons i, I look forward uh, to for chelsea uh, this is all kinds of F and I'm looking forward to the next time Todd Bowley attends like a thought leader conference and explains to everyone how easy this is. Uh, yes. All right. So I'm sorry. Did you say F? Yes. <laughs> Hard right. F. Is it, is it a greater, is it a greater F than you gave, um, uh, um, Lester? Let's call it a similar F. It's the F minus. It's the second F minus of the season. All right, we're still on the bottom half of the table, sitting at number eleven. This is kind of a miracle because I thought we all thought they were going to win the trophy, the twelfth place trophy that Chelsea mm. ended up getting. It mm. is Crystal Palace. The Eagles are in eleventh. That's where they ended up. And Lars, this was your greatest prediction 
so far because yes. you had them nailed spot on in 11th Boom. place. I, I can take no credit for that. Predicting Crystal Palace to be right around the middle of the table is kind of, it's where they are, but they <laughs> it, it, they had a strange journey yet. Well, I was about to say they had a strange journey getting there, but of course they didn't. They were just kind of 12th all year, weren't they? Right. Until they decided to go back and get their great manager back. They were in this sort of strange situation where they kept losing games, but they kept being uh, yes. <laughs> kept being 12. <laughs> it was kind of like Tottenham for a long time. Like, how is Tottenham yes. in fourth place? This yeah. season seems like total crap, yet they're still in fourth. So I've actually just very briefly looked this up now, dear listener. Uh, Crystal Palace, they, they, they moved into 12th on uh, the 19th match of the season. That was on the 4th of January. They then stayed in 12th from the 19th game of the season until the 33rd game of the season, which was, wow. uh, which was, I guess, in the 25th of April. So for months, and for many of these months, they didn't win any. Like, they lost most of their games, but they were just 12th. They just wouldn't leave. They were 12th for a total of nine games without winning, and they just stayed 12th. <laughs> it's an incredibly strange situation. Does that say more about the league or more about Crystal Palace? I can't figure that out. Well, it was a bit of a goofy season all around. But yeah. and also, how about this for a thing? I talked about this a lot earlier before the season and in the season that I'm super excited about Abera Eze and Michael Elise, two of the most aesthetically pleasing players to watch, like the way they move, their their skill. Just Eze, I'm obsessed with. Like he has this way of just sort of drifting past people without, like he doesn't do mad step overs of anything. He just does a little sort of change of his body position and, and bamboozles opponents and just sort of glides past them. It's so good to watch. It's an incredible skill. I'm obsessed with these guys. And for the, and you would have thought that Patrick Vieira, someone who's a bit young, you know, they probably remember him playing for Arsenal, would be the right guy to get them going. Couldn't get anything out of him. He leaves and there's like a 105-year-old Roy Hodgson who looks like an owl comes in and unleashes the youngins. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was, that whole thing. And having to spend the entire season listening to Lars repeatedly refer to Eze's hips was also <laughs> a little lo- uncomfortable. Oh, look at him move. Um, Those hips. No, very they, strange. They either don't lie or they lie constantly. This is one of the two. <laughs> he, he's fantastic. I want him at Tottenham. I don't think it's happening with... Uh, well, I, they've signed Madison now, so but uh, yeah, Eze to Tottenham is my big sort of. I want that to happen. Uh, letter grade for Palace? Huh. Well, exactly where we predicted. Yeah. Um, I think any time Crystal Palace with their budget, their anything they finished, they got through another season. They had some good times. I mean, a solid B, I guess. I think. Okay, an A plus for your prediction because you got it spot on but a B for their performance in the season. Okay. Yeah. It could, could be, could be that palace fan wants to be a little bit higher than that, but you got to also realize where you are and yeah. Roy Hodgson pulling them up in the end. Hey, you're finished above Chelsea guys. Come on. Yeah. B I'm calling it a B. All right. And this dear listener is where I decided to place an edit because uh, I don't know if you noticed, but it went on a bit. But uh, good, good, easy listening, though. Listening, listening back to this and um, doing a few edits uh, here and there. Yeah, good, breezy summer listening. I think it's good to remind ourselves exactly what happened last summer. I think some of you maybe have been on vacation. You've switched off your football brain uh, for a couple of weeks. It's easy to forget what exactly went on last year. Here you have the bottom half, at least. 
Uh, one more episode to come. I hope you're enjoying. Uh, guest guest host, I guess, Peter. Uh, big fan of Peter. Good good lad. Uh, great, to, great to have him on. And uh, in the next uh, episode, of course, we will hit the uh, the top ten. What ended up being the top ten. And you might, you might be already thinking about this. I discovered that there is no such thing as an E. There's not a grade you can get, apparently. I mean, that that really blew my mind when Peter explained it to me. <laughs> well, you just do A, B, C, D, and e. you put all the letters down to F. You just skip one. Doesn't make sense. But there we go. No E's. Um, uh, uh, that and many other things I learned in the next episode. Uh, hope, I'll, uh, hope, I'll, hope you'll join me. See ya!